0: This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hey, this is Michael Kill. I am a terrible person, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt.
1: Sort of break it, break it down like
0: Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you. THN, episode 201, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 11th. We made it past the other side. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt When I'm not getting expelled from the Xavier Institute after a video of me leading a, quote, racist, anti-inhuman chant surfaced on the net, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog, worthpoint.com, and I refuse to apologize. You mean the Xavier School? No, the Xavier School. That's not how he pronounces it. No, I mean the college. Xavier University. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's different. <laughs> And I'm Joe Patrick, that's at Joe patrick 116 on the Twitter,
1: and when I'm not being wrongfully persecuted by my co-host for keeping my own personal email server outside
0: the ziggurat. We're not supposed to have secrets.
1: Listen, my privacy is my own. You gave up your privacy long ago, sir. <laughs> I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Howard the Duck, number one, and The Surface, number one. After that, we will review 10 more of this week's new comics, faster than 47 GO Senators could send an email to the Ayatollah during the ludicrous speed round. Then, too soon. We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. We'll be torturing—excuse me—talking to Star Wars Rogue One director Gareth Edwards. And finally, the comic pushers are back, slinging highly addictive comics to you poor, soft oh, children out there. <laughs> comics and cabbage. Insane, okay. But before Warwick Davis shows up for our crystal. Let's get our Leprechaun beer caps ready, don our hockey masks and machetes, and then we can talk about this week's scary big news! I'm the Leprechaun! We All right. big news! Body Spoiler, is alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler
1: This week, Sony launched the PlayStation Network exclusive Power series, releasing three episodes starring Charlton Copley as Christian Walker, Susan Hayward as Dina Pilgrim, Eddie Izzard as Wolf, and Michelle Forbes as Retro Girl. I didn't fact check any of those names before I typed them, so don't let me know if I got it wrong. No, you got it right. Okay. Though you need a subscription to PlayStation Plus to follow the whole series, Sony released the first
0: episode online for free. Let's get right into it. Matt, what's your first impression of the show? First of all, I want to address the fact that people on the net talked about it. Like, it was the worst show ever made. I'm going to say I did not think that it was a complete train wreck that I thought it was going to be. I didn't mind Charlto Copley in his role. I thought he looked good. Um, I didn't mind Susan Hayward as Dina Pilgrim. I thought Michelle Forbes is very sexy as retro MILF or whatever she's supposed to be, <laughs> but casting a 40-year-old woman as retro girl is a strange choice. Well,
1: obviously the <laughs> characters are very different
0: because... They are, definitely.
1: There's also Zora, who is the
0: girl in purple. Yeah. Who, she
1: is much different on the show than she like is in the comics. She's like a wannabe
0: kid in Well, this. she's a
1: power, but she's like a Teen Titans kind of level.
0: Sort of. I mean, they changed a lot of stuff, and I don't necessarily think that they changed it for the better. That That's my beef. It's
1: not that Powers has this rich continuity that I was really hoping they'd stick to. It's that tonally.
0: Yes. It did not feel like Powers to me at all. No, the tone is completely gone. And the dialogue is as far from Brian Michael Bendis dialogue as it could be as well. Some of the dialogue was absolutely terrible. There's a scene where Zora is kind of hot for Detective Walker But he sort of spurns her because he's on a case. And she goes, your name isn't Diamond. Your name is Walker, as in one who can't fly but walks. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) That is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like... That everybody knows that Christian Walker was diamond. I don't like that at all. Oh, obviously. And I don't need that. And like we had Mario Lopez gave us an info dump early right. on in the show. Uh, like There
1: is a lot of explanation. Yeah. A lot of exposition on this show, which isn't bad necessarily no. because they have to set up the premise. But they explain it a lot. Yeah. They over really and do. over and over. It's like Walker, you were a superhero, but now you're not. Walker, you used to be Diamond,
0: but now you're not. Right. Over and over and over for an hour. Not to mention the fact that I think they say the word powers 600 times.
1: That didn't bother me so much because that's just the term. I mean, I get right? that,
0: but I feel like they got paid every time they said it. Sure. I thought the special effects were really rough. They were not good. They looked, I wrote in my notes, they looked like PS3 special effects to me, not even PS4. I mean, and I get that.
1: The budget is what it is. It's a right. it's a it's an hour long drama airing on <laughs> the PlayStation Network. It is like the ultimate niche program. Yeah. But at the end, they had the juice to get all these, well, quote unquote, major stars. Well, and I Eddie say- Izzard
0: and Charlton Copley, at least Eddie Izzard is great. In his role, Eddie Izzard's always good. Charlton Copley is good as Walker, but he does have I didn't some, like Charlton Copley He has Walker. some very groan-worthy dialogue. And, and I don't know if that's his fault or he's not. He's Christian bailing his way all over the place. He definitely is. The guy that played Johnny Royale, I really like him. I like that guy. He's on Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, I like that character I've seen him in a few different things recently. He's really good, right. and he has a really cool decapitation scene in this. Yeah. And I liked how they dealt with his teleporting. It was That was really well done. So there were things about this that I enjoyed, but at the same time, it was very far from what I wanted Powers to be. This was not a terrible show, and it was not a good show either. I will say that. It's a fine I thought start. it was middling. Yeah, but I've, honestly, I like this better than I like the Gotham pilot. I like.
1: <laughs> My biggest takeaway is that because it doesn't feel like Powers, it's- I had a hard time getting invested yeah. in it, and the changes that they made weren't compelling enough to hook me as though it were a new thing they you definitely know I mean? weren't
0: changes for the better so i don't get it
1: yeah i disagree I, I mean i agree i totally agree yeah oh one other thing the costumes are awful yeah they're dumb
0: trip, they're really trip dumb.
1: hammer in powers trip hammer is a dude in a big metal suit yeah he's iron man yeah i get that maybe you can't exactly do that in powers
0: but this guy looked like a turtle Not to mention the fact he had a hammer on one of his hands. He looked like one of the (laughs) Hammer Brothers from uh, Mario. I will say it does seem like whoever is in charge of this is in over their head. And doing their best to make a show that feels safe, that feels like other shows on television, instead of taking a chance and letting Powers do what it should do, and that is be original be what yeah. brian michael bendis did right be violent be sexy yeah you
1: don't have to adapt it word for word no You've all read that story but but this was like this felt like a completely different this entity. was like
0: cinematic you know what it felt like to me it felt like heroes it felt like nbc's heroes instead of what i pictured maybe more of like a digital handycam type cop show where you're running around and this stuff is going on and then you can still sacrifice some effects because it looks like you know, you're on the set of a documentary or something, and this is really happening. But instead, when they do these still cams and this cinematography and these crane shots, it, it just doesn't work for a story like this. It, it doesn't at all. And it seems like they're playing it really safe. And that's too bad. And that could be the death of it.
1: Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I had high ho- i I guess I didn't have high hopes, but I was kind of hopeful that it wouldn't be a mess. Yeah. And like you said, it's not the worst thing, no. but.
0: It's certainly not what I was expecting. Ain't as bad as Gotham. Deadline is reporting that Valiant will follow Marvel and DC's lead by attempting to create its own cinematic universe. Publisher already had a few comics in development for film, including Bloodshot and Archer and Armstrong. Now, following a reported eight-figure deal, Valiant will partner with Beijing-based studio and production company DMG Entertainment to develop their properties for motion pictures. Television, publishing, and licensing. <laughs> DMG co-produced that. Like, when they say that, that means like shoelaces and chicken fingers. Exo right. Manowar, <laughs> the Happy Meal. Right. DMG co-produced and co-financed Iron Man three, and they also had a hand in Looper and the upcoming Point Break remake, which I know I've been screaming for for years. Oh yeah. DMG CEO. <laughs> that's a lot of letters. Dan Mintz said in a statement. Comic superheroes are the most lucrative and sought after IP. intellectual property for movie franchises. They call them IPs. It's oh. okay to say IP. Nobody knows that. So taking a stake in what he calls the last independent massive comic universe is a strategic investment for DMG that will produce movies and TV that are both appealing and relevant to a global audience. We are making shows. <laughs> Valiant CEO and Chief Creative Officer Dinesh Shamdasani added, quote, Today marks one of Valiant's biggest milestones yet, with a huge step towards bringing the Valiant characters to the big screen and forging the foundation of the first truly international cinematic universe. That global focus is a major part of the DMG deal. Beyond the ambitious film plans, the company's partners spoke highly of the potential to expand the publisher's licensing and merchandising into East Asia. I wonder why. Those dudes love Harbinger. Joe. Are you ready for the Punk Mambo feature film? I I was born ready. I feel like I've been waiting my entire life.
1: Uh, For real, I think this is exciting. It's super exciting. It's kind of getting this in depth into like the financing deals and stuff seems weird to me. Like they don't we don't normally hear about that sort of thing. Right. Well, uh, you know what?
0: Anymore, we do. We hear about it on the web. But
1: did you know that this out Chinese conglomerate swooped
0: in and helped Marvel finance Iron Man 3? No, I did I did, because they even put footage in the Iron Man 3 film that came out in China oh, that yeah, we did not get stuff. in the States. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I remember that story. But I think it's
1: exciting that somebody has looked at Valiant and went, man, these guys know what's up. We want to partner with them and make this come to life. Absolutely. And Valiant, we talk about it all the time on the show. Valiant has a cohesive, shared universe. Big time. That, that works in lockstep with yeah. every book in the line like no other on the stands today. I'm saying
0: more so than Marvel, more so than DC.
1: Absolutely. And I think
0: that's because fewer moving parts. Absolutely. And fewer creators involved means they can keep that shit buttoned down. And unlike when DC tried to do the new 52, Valiant restarted from day one. They said- right. Here comes Valiant again. We we are starting at day one and going from there. Not to mention the fact that Marvel has already done the heavy lifting and shown that we can make movies that tie into each other with stars that are in the movies and people will love it and they will pay attention and they will go. All Valiant has to do, follow that model. The trick is, unlike Marvel, Valiant doesn't have a household name. Of course. Character to go, hey, iron man no of course but i will say i still think the hard part is already done yeah they can make a good movie get good reviews make some money and then lead into the next good movie yeah starring exo War, starring archer and armstrong starring shadow man quantum and woody Woody, whatever and it'll work people are hungry for good superhero films right valiant has a kick-ass superhero line bring it on when done right, shared universes are one of the rare joys of storytelling. Like it, it is, um, and we take it for granted as right. comic book guys because we've lived in these shared universes for all of our lives. Right, people that are going to the movies now, this is blowing their minds. Right, right. You mean Thor and Iron Man live in the same house? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think if they can kick it off with a bang. Yeah. Then they are off to a great start, the and first people movie, will really dig what the they have to offer. The first movie is going to be their biggest risk. So, the first book in the Valiant relaunch was
0: Exo Man of War. And I hope that's the first movie they do. I really do it's it, a great story it starts way in the past it sets up the rest of the valiant you it's tied directly into all these other past characters they can give us a you can have cameos from guys like ninjack yeah whatever. you can have cameos from armstrong you can have i'm talking back in the past yeah. yeah yeah right time walker and uh you can certainly set up a lot of the concepts
1: yeah absolutely yeah i think it's a good move i'm excited to see where it goes The soft relaunch of the DC universe is rapidly approaching and the publisher is taking steps to make sure that fans know what to expect from the new and updated titles debuting in the months
0: ahead. (laughs) It's almost like they're like, okay, there's going to be a car crash, but we all have our seatbelts on, right? (laughs) Right, (laughs) So we're going to live.
1: (laughs) DC will provide readers with free eight page stories that preview every single title in the Sublime 49 in the back of their May books and online at places like DC Comics and Comixology. DC co-publisher Dan DiDio said, quote, People will get a chance to read these books, see the different styles of art, read the different types of stories, and see how we plan to interpret our characters in a new way. And hopefully, in doing so, they'll get excited about the new books when they come out in June. And I think this is a necessary tool and really so valuable to inform out what we have planned for all these books. It gives everyone a chance to sample them in advance before they hit the shelves, end quote. Jim Lee, DC's other co-publisher, reiterated the publisher's decision to put storytelling before continuity, saying, quote, we're really asking the creators to put story and characters first and really focus on canon rather than continuity. By focusing on canon, which is the stories that really matter, the best stories that we tell with these characters that have really gotten elevated, that's the history we want to create around these characters. (laughs) This is an attempt to refocus crazy sentence. <laughs> I know, and I had to change it on the fly because it's all over the place. Yeah. This is an attempt to refocus the line, focus on story, and let the creators tell their
0: stories without necessarily being confined by the restrictions of continuity. Like if you listen to sports talk radio, there's certain things that are said that only make sense in the vein of sports talk radio. Yeah, right. This is very much what comic book radio <laughs> sounds like.
1: Dadio <Yeah>, right. <laughs> went on to mention out of continuity stories that had a huge impact on canon. Such as The Dark Knight Returns. Never read it. And Kingdom Come. Never read it. Quote, those stories became so powerful that they started to work their way into the continuity. I read them both. We, I know. We still have a shared universe. We still have a shared space where these characters can interact. But the main goal is to allow each of these characters to exist on their own, build their own sense of story, their own sense of direction, their own supporting casts, and their own audiences. And when you do that, you build a much stronger foundation for the DC Universe. End quote. Now, Matt, do you think DC is doing a decent job prepping their fans for the big overhaul? I like the eight-page previews. I think it's a good idea. And these aren't just previews. I believe these are original
0: stories that lead into the first issues. Okay. But even if... I, I think. If not just for fans, for retailers, too, so they can get a look at it. Because this is a huge shakeup. We just had a huge shakeup for retailers not too long ago, too. Yeah, right. So I can see why a lot of them be like, you know <laughs> yeah it's it, it's scary stuff because at the end of the day the guys that go and buy the comics they're just collecting whatever but the retailers are trying to make their money on this stuff they're trying right. to feed their families with this stuff. right and i do think that they're providing a service in doing that but hearing jim lee talk the way they does in this quote it really sounds like dc is trying to have their cake and eat it too in the sense that Oh, we're going to stretch canon. We're going to stress, you know, like what you love about the characters. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. But there's still continuity that does fit, but it doesn't always have to fit. Are you guys cool with that? Well, but that's how cool. comic, that's how comics have always been. <laughs> right. And I get that. Like the killing
1: joke was not in continuity. Right. Until somebody was like, you know what? That's a great until f- idea. like
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> and John Ostrander wrote Barbara Gordon into Suicide Squad in right. a wheelchair right. and created Oracle. And I get that. And maybe they're saying, yeah, we're going to, instead of forcing stuff into continuity, we're going to let it gracefully come into continuity based on instead what of you lying,
1: like. Instead of spending hours on the message boards wondering how right. Perez fits into the Sublime 49 just enjoy Prez. Yes. And then if somewhere down the line
0: somebody incorporates ideas from Prez into the DC universe, then hooray. And if it's canceled, it's gone. It's Whatever. just a mini, but yes. So, but it, your and remains. I get that. But yeah, I mean, that still goes to what I was saying.
1: And, and that's fine. And as far as canon versus continuity or letting the story speak for, them, for themselves, they're still going to have those core holdovers from the new 52. Right. That are the dedicated shared universe books, your Justice Leagues, your right. your solo character books. Your Clarion. Your clarion. <laughs> no. Canceled. Okay. It's the books, the the blue sky books, right? Mm-hmm. The the books where you just let it watch over you and enjoy it for what it is.
0: And they may or may not be part of the bigger universe.
1: But I think it's great for DC to say, hey, we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're gonna let you try all these books before they launch. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Let yes. your retailer know what you
0: think. It's good for everybody.
1: And for free. Yes. You don't have to buy the May books to get them. You can go download them. You can read them on DC.com. It's good whatever. for everybody. everybody. Hey!
0: That is the big news for this week If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed Hit us up on the THN forums where Joey and I are defending our move to Burbank Because we were planning on it long before DC was As a part of our plan to become professional live studio audience members On The Price is Right I'll tell you what, you've always been a dollar You've always been a dollar I thought we were going to become Barker Girls Every Sunday, my favorite Hollywood brat, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week?
1: This week's question comes courtesy
0: of Black Scorpion the Three. That dude is all up
1: on the forums. Tell you what. It's fashion week, apparently. I don't know what that means. What characters have the best (laughs) and or worst fashion sense in comics? Favorite and least favorite costumes. Or not, and or. I'm saying and or. Yeah. If you just want to say, man, Speedball's costume sucks. Sure. Then fine. If you just want to pick a a favorite or a least favorite and make some jokes, that's great. But we're giving you two answers. If you want. If you'd like. your favorite and your least favorite. If you'd like to pick your favorite and least favorite, then that's cool, too. You have until 5 p.m. 5 p.m. 5. You know who you are. That's right. I talked to some of you today. Friday, March 20th, to get us your answers. You can Skype and leave a message with your answer. The Skype handles two headed nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline 402 819 4894. Or send an MP3 to two nerd at gmail.com. But remember to keep it under the new time limit of two minutes. Two minutes. You can get it out in two minutes. That's Make right. your jokes. You can probably get it out
0: in 45 seconds. Brevity is the soul of wit. That's true. Look it up.
1: If you need more time than that, feel free to write to your heart's content at the THN web forums. Where if you want to list your top 10 favorite fashion train wrecks in comics, I want to read about it. Right on. And post pictures.
0: Let's see them. Oh, heck yeah. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I put on our goalie mask and chase two of this week's new comics through the woods. Joey, what are you terrifying this week? <laughs>
1: This week, I read Howard the Duck number one from Marvel Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Joe Quinones, with colors by Rico Renzi. This book is 32 pages, your standard size, three ninety nine, your
0: standard price. Your standard price. Bullet,
1: hot off the pages of the uh, the post credit scene at the uh, the end of a popular movie. <laughs> Howard the Duck is back. Join him as he takes on the weird cases that only a talking duck can crack as the Marvel Universe's resident private investigator. Bullet! Let sex criminals Chibs a writer known mostly as an artist, <laughs> and Joe Quinones, an artist known mostly as a lover, guide <laughs> you through <laughs> his new world as he takes on the Black Cat! And mysterious forces from outer space! Wow. <laughs> is that the noise? Wag. It's probably more of like a Donald like, Duck sound, Wah. but I can't remember. Really right,
0: oh, I would say, Like that duck calling, Wah. Yeah.
1: Howard is back in the public eye thanks to his surprise placement in Guardians of the Galaxy, but does the world need another Howard the Duck revival? Maybe. Sex Criminals artist Shib Zadarsky delivers a script that hits all the right marks. There's just enough of a link to Guardians for people that may be coming in right from seeing the film. Zdarsky plays up Howard's outsider status, but still acknowledges the fact that he's been stuck on Earth for years. He still gets a lot of weird looks and comments, but it's nothing he hasn't heard a million times before. The script is almost effortlessly funny as Howard runs afoul of (laughs) She-Hulk, the Black Cat, Spider-Man, and more. I'm sure Zdarsky wrote this into the script. There was a sight gag making fun of Buzzfeed tucked quietly into one of the panels that nearly made me fall out of my chair. What was it? There's a scene where Howard is yelling up from the street at She-Hulk. Yeah. At She-Hulk's office window. Yeah. And she's sitting at her desk and on her laptop screen it says 20 cats that will make you forget that you live in a world of superpowered wonder and terror. <laughs> And I laughed so hard, I thought I was going to die. That's excellent clickbait.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's really good.
1: (laughs) The art by Joe Canones and Rico Renzi is is really good, but it suffers from a lot of the same problems I normally have with Canones' work. He's very good at figures, camera angles, facial expressions, etc., but he'll just stop doing backgrounds altogether for several panels at a time. I said this before, he's such a great cover artist, but I think that he's still trying to develop as a sequential artist. I don't have a problem with him.
0: What he does draw is very good. You no, know, I just get the feeling that when he does drop backgrounds out, it's because he's trying to like say, what's going on with this character is the main focus or something like that. Okay, you maybe. Know, that's how I
1: take it. But then that takes me to The Colors Okay, by Renzi, who normally I, I really enjoy, and he's good in this book too, but- in those panels where everything but the main figures drops away. Right. That's when the colorist needs to do something interesting. All right. That's fair. And instead, all it is is just like pink. Purple. Yeah. Or whatever. Gray. Yeah. Right. Okay. This was absolutely the bright spot in my reading stack this week. Howard is a hard sell. Even with the movie appearance,
0: do yourselves a favor. Jump on board this one while it's still early. Buy it. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it, too. It. It's been a while since Howard the Duck has been written well. Steve Gerber came back and did a Howard the Duck series, not too terribly long yeah, ago. Yeah, it was a Max series, and I don't—it don't, was not very good. I don't remember liking it. I like this lighthearted Howard the Duck private investigator. It's kind of fun. I would have liked it even better if he was working for She Hulk and like she was just sending him on crap. Oh, missions oh and and he's try—he tries to get her to hire yeah. him. Yeah.
1: Uh, like I, I think that this this kind of fits right into that She-Hulk niche. Yes, where she's doing the the goofy court stuff. Yes. and he is like, who's cheating on the Rainbow? Ra- uh, without the Rainbow Raider, that's DC. Who's cheating on Captain Ultra? Right, <laughs> right. He's
0: out there <laughs> taking the polar the polaroids or something. Right. No, this is a lot of fun. I hope this one sticks around. I don't know that it will. I think it is going to be a very hard sell. Unfortunately, yeah. tell your friends it's a good book. Go out and buy it. Again, it's important to tell. People that sell these
1: things to you that you want them. Yes. Matt Bomb, tell me about The Surface if you
0: can. I'm going to try. This one is from Image, written by Ailescott, art by Langdon Foss and Jory Belair on colors, 350 for 32 pages. I was going to come up with a clever intro for this review, but I think Joe Patrick said it best on last week's show when I picked The Surface as my book of the week. He said, It looks like an impenetrable mess from the mind of Ailescott. And He's not wrong. (laughs) The surface is a story of three romantically involved hackers living in a near future world where people log their entire lives on the Internet. They call it a life log. Privacy has become an opt in setting instead of the default. Those who do make their lives private are viewed as shady and questionable characters. Mark, the son of the president of the United States, his boyfriend Gomez and his girlfriend Nasia, who dates them both. Like April in Parks and Rec. (laughs) Sort of, yeah. Are searching for the surface, a mythical place where reality breaks down or something. The story is told by an unnamed and not necessarily trustworthy narrator that throughout the book drops hints to their true identity. Sort of. Hints like a narration box that says, sorry, I needed to scratch my butt. After a box, that repeats a word three times. Like he's getting stuck on a thought. Sort of. It leads me to believe that the narrator might be caught himself and the three hackers might be different parts of his personality. For sure. Trying to escape into reality, the surface. There are those interviews. Right. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's just a theory at this point. The story is intermittently interrupted by short interviews with the, quote, elusive writer who, again, I'm guessing is caught. The interviews waver between apology for the confusion caused by the comic and a middle finger to those who don't understand. It's not,
1: there's no, like, I don't think there's any guesswork involved. He name drops some of Cot's
0: own books right. in those interviews. Right. Rest assured, these breaks don't add or explain much, but <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain what they are, really. Yeah. Artist Langdon Foss is out of his mind here, packing each panel with amazing depth and detail, it reminded me what I love about Chris Burnham's work on books like Batman Incorporated. You know, it reminded me, do you remember Seth Fisher? Yes. Seth Fisher did books like he did the
1: graphic novel uh Will World yes. for DC. Yeah. And Big in Japan. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic four Big in Japan. He passed away. It reminds me a lot of that, like very, very like Jeff
0: Darrow, if Highly Jeff Darrow detailed. was on LSD. Yes. I think Jeff Darrow is on LSD to be. Fair. Or something more hallucinogenic than. Geordie <laughs> Belair is equally adept on colors and makes the comic absolutely glow. In the end, this comes off as Ailescott defying modern storytelling tale- defying modern storytelling and doing his best Grant Morrison impersonation. It's not bad, and there's definitely talent here, but it's so lost in the psychedelia and coded messages that I found myself losing interest. I love Cott's work on Zero, and I maintain that it is one of the most original comics on the stands. Surface certainly challenges Zero for the most original title, but that might not be a good thing. I'm giving this a skim it.
1: I'm giving it a skim it, too, but I'm not viewing it... I didn't lose interest, and in fact, I am very interested, but what keeps me from giving it a buy it, it is like next level advanced comic reading. Yes. And... It's dense. I've read, density. A, I have read a lot of comics in my life and I was not equipped to wrap my brain fully around this one. Oh, same here. But I found it very compelling because it seemed like Cot was working stuff out on the page. Like yeah. he was trying to work
0: out some stuff. Yeah, definitely.
1: And to me, I found that very interesting. And I'm I'm just wondering where he's going and what he's doing and what he's trying to say with. These three characters, like, maybe you're right that there are three aspects of his own personality. Well, sort
0: of, like, one of them is, like, a dreamer, one of them is a real, like, skeptic, and then the other one is sort of, like, in between, like, this realist that sort yeah. of floats in between them, and it seems like he's dealing with his own paranoia, he's dealing with the internet and how it's become such a part of our lives, And what is privacy and where is it going? And is there a way to disconnect and escape from all this? Is there another way to live that we've gotten away from? Like, there's so many big questions that he's posing in this that it really comes off as an inner monologue told through fantasy. And that's kind of what I liked about it. Okay.
1: I'm not saying it's bad. Right. I I mean, I did enjoy it, but... I absolutely did not understand it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Like it, this was, and so it's a skim it. But it's supposed to be hard to follow as well. Right. That's part of the deal. But I thought the art was amazing. Yeah, Foss is excellent. So that is a double buy it for Howard the Duck number one and a double skimmit it for the Surface number one. As always, we want to know what you displaced talking ducks and three-way having hackers thought of these comics. So... Share the contents of your life log along with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoeditnerd.com. Do me a favor, edit out all the bathroom scenes. I don't need that crap. I mean, literally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As I'm sure you've heard, 47 Republican senators send a letter to the Ayatollah of rock and roll himself. Lord humongous! stating that even if he signs a deal to share the gas with President Obama, as soon as Dude is out of office, they'll be sending in the road warrior to steal it all away. Sons of bitches. So join Matt and I as we man the flamethrowers and hold off this insane biker gang a little longer while we discuss treason charges and review 10 more of this week's new comics during the ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go!
0: Bill and Ted's triumphant return number one from Boom. Brian Lynch writes a tale of what happens to Bill and Ted immediately after the end of Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I was a huge fan of the first film, and I didn't hate the second, but this came off as more of a Bill and Ted's 80s Saturday morning cartoon. Predictable jokes and bad humor that may have worked for kids in the 80s, but it was just kind of lost here. Jerry Gaylord and Ian McGinty do a solid job in the art, but it just seems like an idea whose time has passed. Gaylord. I d- Oh, stop it, you. I didn't hate it, but if you want to read a Bill and Ted comic... Check out Evan Dorkin's 1991 series, Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic Book, way better than this. I'm giving it a skim it. Southern Cross, number one from Image.
1: Becky Clunan and Andy Bellanger kick off the story of Alex Braith, a woman hitching a ride on a space freighter, trying to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. Like I said last week, this book wasn't even really on my radar, but I was very pleasantly surprised. The story is compelling, the setting is interesting, and the art by Bellanger is stunning. This is a buy it for sure. Right on. Batman Arkham Knight number one from DC.
0: This is a hard copy of DC's digital Arkham Knight miniseries. And because it was created for a digital platform, it comes off as a series of splash pages that takes about five minutes to read. Those familiar with the video games might be into this, but to me it just came across as a bat story completely removed from continuity with very little plot, but solid art by Viktor Bogdanovic. I guess if you can't get enough of the bad video game stories, feel free to read this, but I can only give it a skim. It's in their, they're in their own continuity. I guess. I just don't care for that continuity. Yeah, alright. Hellbreak number one from Oni.
1: Cullen Bunn delivers a s- another solid concept from Oni, this time with Secret History of D.B. Cooper artist Brian Chirilla. This sets up a really fun premise about a special ops team that specializes in rescuing souls from hell. Cool. Great art by Chirilla and the legendary Dave Stewart. Huge buy it.
0: Altered States, Red Sonja number one from Dynamite. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I thought the dynamite altered state stories were going to be Elseworld type stories. Yeah, because
1: I thought it wasn't one like Vampirella as an astronaut or something.
0: For those of you who don't know, DC had several Elseworld stories that saw completely different versions of existing characters in their own separate stories. Here we get the story of a modern day museum curator, also a redhead named Sonia. I'll let you guess what happens to her she picks up Red Sonja's sword and becomes the she-devil herself to fight her reborn nemesis Coolin Gath who is magically transforming the modern world into well Red Sonia barbarian world for lack of a better term. So not what I thought I was getting into and not very entertaining either. Not terrible art by Juanan Ramirez. Juanan And Brandon Jura's script was fine but this is not what I thought I was gonna be leave it Detective Comics Endgame One-Shot from
1: DC! DC kicks out one of the more blatant cash grabs in recent memory <laughs> in the form of one-shot tie-ins to the Batman Endgame story. Insufferable teenagers that speak in insufferable slang. Oh, God. Do you know anyone that uses the term beast as an adjective? No, no one does. Over and over and over like again? Like how? Use it in a sentence. Like, that was so beast. No, God. Like that the is- kid from... Uh,
0: Anakin, that's so wizard! <laughs> that,
1: anyway, young Anarchy needs help finding his stripper mom in a city full of Joker-infected lunatics. Man, have they f***ed that character up. Jesus. Like Anarchy has a deep and I continuity. like Anarchy. I guess that means that the current Anarchy story in Detective Comics somehow takes place after Endgame, which is impossible given what's happening in Endgame right now. (laughs) The art by Roj Antonio and Ronan Clique. Click it. The names, I'm so sorry. The art's nice. But otherwise, this was a complete waste of time and paper. Leave it. Do not buy it. It means literally nothing. (laughs) Okay.
0: Spawn Resurrection number one from Image Oh boy, we are in the mood today I guess Paul Jenkins writes what is essentially a long conversation Between Spawn and God Who appears to him as his childhood dog God lays out the entirety Also named God (laughs) God lays out the entirety Of the Spawn mythos Up until now And then gives him a big sword To go to hell and kick the devil's ass For lying to him Which, according to God may have brought about the end of humanity as we know it. What a jerk. I guess I don't care about Spawn, and truthfully I'm not sure who does at this point. I'd love to hear from you if you do. Todd McFarlane. The art by John Boy, and that's his name. John Boy Myers. Is, it's just John Boy in the book. It's His name is John Boy Myers. Okay. is good, but it wasn't enough to reinvigorate my interest in this 90s anti-hero leftover. Leave it. It's time for Spawn to go away, Todd. You can do something else and we'll check it out. I promise. Can we all agree? Move on. Ninjack, number one from Valiant. Valiant delivers another solid hit.
1: This one from Matt Kent and Clayman with Butch Geis on the backup story. Clayman has gotten so good. I love Clayman. You don't have to know anything about previous Valiant books to enjoy this, and Kent even reveals why the character goes by the ridiculous name Ninjack, And I thought it was great. Awesome martial arts action with great art all around. Buy
0: it. I loved it, too. Amazing Spider-Man special number one from Marvel. Avengers No More Bullying writer Jeff Loveness brings us a formulaic and predictable Spidey story made to further cram the Inhumans down our throats, complete with a hapless Peter Parker trying to figure out how to ask a random woman out who's sitting at a coffee shop where he orders a burrito.
1: You don't get burritos <laughs> at the coffee shop you go to? No. What's up, burritos?
0: <laughs> no. No. You don't sell burritos. No, we don't sell burritos. <laughs> I don't get it either. Winged bad guys show up. It turns out they're attacking New Adelan, which has been floating above New York for a while now. We meet the cast of Inhuman because it's not selling as well as Marvel hoped. And maybe putting him in a Spidey comic will give it a boost. And then the story is continued in the coming Inhuman special. And boom, everyone that's reading Amazing Spider-Man is reading Inhuman, and Marvel can ditch the X-Men, right? Wrong. Fantastic art by Luca Pizzari here, but not much else to get excited about. Speaking of a waste, this was a waste. Leave it. Marvel has been doing
1: those trilogy, those special trilogies yeah. where it's just like, I don't Incredible think, Hulk special. I don't think anyone to be continued cares. in the all new X Men special for no reason whatsoever, right. and then the Superior Spider Man special. Stop it. Yeah, nobody cares. That's what annuals are for, and even those are not that good right now. It's true. It's true. Work on those first. Itty-bitty comics, Grimace Island, number one from Dark Horse. I'm going to put this out there. No one in the industry does kids' comics as well as Art Balthazar and Franco. Oh, please. You act like that's like... No one. (laughs)
0: Controversial, I know. That is not
1: controversial. (laughs) Tarn, feather me if you must, but I stick to it. Grimace Island follows the plight of a pair of witch doctors and the unpredictable creation they summon to appease a volcano goddess. You know that old trope. It's goofy as hell. Tons of fun. Buy it. Scratch! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Scratch! is the sound of Spidey webbing up a bike rack full of bikes and swinging it into a horde of nameless flying baddies, as seen in... Amazing Spider Man special, number one. You won't get a chance to look at it because we told you to leave it. <laughs> Don't forget to smack us with your reviews of this week's new comics over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums.
0: With the announcement of the first standalone Star Wars film titled Rogue One hitting the net this week, Joey and I found ourselves unhappy with the press release, Um, and looking to make a name for ourselves Um, by breaking the plot to the film. What are you doing? It's okay, trust me. So, with some false media credentials, we were able to convince Rogue One director Gareth Edwards to- Why is he tied up? He's fine, he's fine. To meet us in the sanctum sanctorum for a good old-fashioned interview, if you will is that blood it's just a little bit now i'm gonna take this tape off your mouth mr edwards and you're gonna talk but before you get any ideas of escaping i'm gonna heat up this screwdriver okay one more time this is over while joe and i talk about what we're excited to read next week nope (laughs) shut it down (laughs) joey what are you reading next week
1: next week i am excited for frankenstein underground number one from dark horse comics written by mike mignola illustrated by ben stenbeck i bet you dave
0: stewart's involved in there somehow i guarantee it so listen if you're not buying this you're an idiot right
1: (laughs) the frankenstein creature is alone abandoned and wandering underground where he will discover other strange creatures and dark secrets this is going to be the best this is going to be so cool it's the adventures of Frankenstein in the Hellboy universe. Yeah.
0: Smart Frankenstein wandering around in the Hellboy and BPRD universe. What more do you want? I really honestly do. I mean, do we have to like buy copies Seriously. and hand them out to I you? I can't hold your hands here, kids. Matt bomb. What do you got? I'm going with chrono Number one. Chrono from image comics. Chrono are delicious. <laughs> written by Mark Miller with art by Sean Murphy. I should say the incomparable Sean Murphy. That guy is amazing. Here's your solicit from Mark Miller, kick ass, and Sean Gordon Murphy. I didn't know he had a middle name, punk rock Jesus. Comes a bromance for the ages. Corbin Quinn and Danny Riley are two buddies who love to have fun. They're also scientific geniuses. When their research leads them to a time traveling adventure, will they use their knowledge for the good of all mankind? Or use the space-time continuum for their own ends. This is the story of man's first televised steps through the time stream and everything going wrong in the process. So, it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure meets Hot Tub Time Machine meets Black Science, essentially. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Sounds fantastic. Cannot wait. The
1: THN trade of the week goes to Sex Castle, (laughs) original graphic
0: novel. I've been trying to be the master of my own Sex Castle for years now. (laughs) (laughs) From Image Comics,
1: written and illustrated by Kyle Starks, here's your solicit. The former world's greatest assassin leaves the world of killing to a small town, only to be pulled back in an exciting action romp in the style of classic 80s action film. Here's an endorsement from Matt Fraction, quote, Sex Castle is a perfect mix of homage and comedy, action and irony, loving tribute and hilarious send up of the great, good and ungodly bad action movies of the 80s. I don't remember the last time a debut book hit me this hard. Literally, this book punched me in the face. It's that mean. I'm in. End quote.
0: I'm in. Matt Fraction's a smart guy. I'm in. I think Sex Castle sounds great. Title alone I was already in. <laughs> I <don't> know, right? <laughs> I remember you moved this into our Dropbox and I was like, what the f- sex
1: castle I can't wait to read it I think didn't we I think we decided that
0: we're reviewing it for take a look next month spoiler alert Uh, you don't have to put that in head over to the THN forums and let us know your thoughts on the fine line between interrogation and torture and of course what you'll be reading next week shout it up shout it in
1: let me begin Win. Battle me, that's a sin. I won't tear the sack up. Black time better back up. Try and play the role, and the X crew will act up. Get up, stand up, come on, throw your hands up. 10X kids been reeling, flying around the ceiling. I was really funkin', so much talkin' junk. Yo, I'll sound screaming the dome, and then I'll take the punks home. Feel it, funk it, Amps in my soul. And I got more rhymes and spirals, got tones at like the body shop. Sure enough, I got pops from the kids at the school, plus prophets and psych pops. I came to get down, I came to get down. So plug your ears while I scream around, scream around. Scream around, scream around, scream up, scream up, and get down. Scream, scream, scream,
0: scream, scream, scream. Oh, the music ended. <laughs> that was awesome. We were screaming. <laughs> <laughs> the comic pushers are back to answer the clarion call of one desperate comic junkie. This week, a skinny, stank-ass hood rat named Hebrews writes saying, Hey, comic pushers. Tell me about Rip Hunter, man. Time Master. I remember reading Time Master Vanishing Point and really enjoying that sucker. With my newfound interest (laughs) in revisiting the old DC Universe, where do I start with him? Showcase has a Rip Hunter collection, but also has Challengers of the Unknown collection. There's a 90s Time Masters 8-issue miniseries. Where do I start comic pushers? I need my fix, man. Down, sounds like he already did this research. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: like, read the time master's eight issue mini series. <laughs> rip Hunter is not in the challenges of the unknown. No, but read the rip Hunter collection. If you want that silver agey goodness, rip Hunter is a fun character. He mm-hmm. is a time traveler. In recent years, he's been kind of tied to this group called the linear men. And they are essentially the cops of
0: the time stream. He's sort of DC's doctor who, Right. Sort but he's just a dude. He's not like an alien. He's just sort a guy. of right. He played a major part in 52 as well.
1: Absolutely. 52 is kind of the genesis of the Rip Hunter Booster Gold partnership. Yeah. And it really elevates both of those characters into a very important place in the DC universe as
0: the two men that safeguard The time stream of the DC universe and no one really knows it. Right. Like before that, Rip Hunter was sort of a forgotten golden age idea. He had popped up here and there, but it turns out when you read 52 and Joe and I have said several times how much we both enjoyed 52. I like 52. It was great. It was revealed that all along Rip Hunter had been there in the DCU, like gently guiding things and fixing things and traveling around and like Metron was even aware of what he was doing and sort of monitoring him and stuff like that. Even though he's just a normal dude, he became a really interesting character in that story. Yes. And so
1: from 52, that spins off into the Booster Gold ongoing series that was uh, at first written by Jeff Johns and then later by Dan Jurgens. It was still great. It was that great. series is really fun. And re- yes, that's more of a spotlight on Booster. But Rip Hunter is a huge part of it. They reveal how Rip is connected to the present day DCU in a way that I obviously will not spoil for you, but it's very satisfying if you if you follow the series. That is a great run. Yeah. And I know that at the very least, there's one volume of it. It was called 52 Pickup, which I thought was very
0: clever Eh? because it came hot on the heels of the end of 52. But Rip Hunter, unfortunately, is one of those characters that they've never really put a spotlight on. I mean, like he had, there was Rip Hunter, Time Master, like Golden Age book. Well, still yeah, it was in the Silver Age. Oh, pardon me. Silver Age book. Right. And he popped up here and there, but he's definitely not a character that they've done a whole lot with. And it's too bad because he is a very cool character.
1: Well, Dan Juergens is really the, the guy that should be credited with bringing Rip Hunter back from obscurity and giving him a larger role. And even though it wasn't really recognized or followed up upon much until 52, it was in the 90s during uh, Juergens' run on Superman that he created the Linear Men and Rip Hunter was a part of the Linear oh, Men. Oh, I didn't know he was I lin- I didn't know he was part of Linear Yeah, he was involved with the Linear Men and Wave Rider and all those guys. Okay. And so that is... You can go back and read those and they're fine. But really, 52 and forward is where Rip Hunter came back in a big way Yeah, into the DC universe in a, in a way that is very prominent and I think will be
0: prominent again coming up with Convergence. Yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity if they don't incorporate Rip Hunter into this.
1: Right. And you can tell, I will give DC credit for this, you can tell that they've been planning something with Booster Gold almost yeah. from the beginning
0: of the new 52. Yeah, I'll give them that.
1: And again, this is going back to Booster Golden, I apologize, but they're so closely tied together now. There is a moment in Justice League International Annual from the New 52 where they've revisited the event in in Future Zentai. And so forgive me if it's different than it was before, but where Booster meets himself like a different version of himself and things get really confusing. And then he sees on the on the monitor screen Superman and Wonder Woman kissing like the start of their relationship and then he's like, wait, what's going on? And then he just disappears <laughs> like the times, like, like Superman and Wonder Woman getting together has broken the time like, stream nope, and you don't
0: exist anymore. Booster Gold gets erased,
1: <laughs> but he doesn't. And he, he pops again in Future end, or at least in the Future Zen tie in, which was the first time he had been seen since that issue. Oh, cool. And I know that Rip is involved in boosters, little two part. Thing in convergence, but yeah, Rip Hunter is a fun character, and Jurgens and Johns kind of recast him as the crotchety old. Like he'd been protecting the time stream for right. so long with nobody to share it with and nobody to give him accolades. That when Booster came around, it's like I'm gonna try to save Batgirl from getting paralyzed. And then Rip had to deal with his shenanigans, you know, like yeah. like the cranky police captain. Like, I've had it. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna bust your spaghetti bending butt back to <laughs> Milan. <laughs> It's from So I Married an Axe Murderer. That's Alan Arkin from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Was it too much with the racial stuff? No, no, I liked it. I I thought it it was good. It's not Milan. it's Milan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I love Rip Hunter, but for sure, 52, Booster Gold, and Convergence coming up. Going to the forums, Anthony from Brooklyn and Brian Domingos have been very helpful, chiming in, seconding what we have just said. Really they said it first And I just copied them Fair What are you talking about
0: We said it It's what I was gonna us. say anyway. Come on
1: Anthony has very helpfully Provided a list From the internet Of all of Rip Hunter's Major appearances Nice And he also had A couple appearances In DC Comics Presents he Anthony popped in Brooklyn that, Yeah that anything? Nice yep. He popped into JSA For a, for a minute I yes. remember that That was cool So Rip Hunter's Just kind of in and out. Jeff Johns
0: definitely loved Rip
1: Hunter. Yeah. Uh, DC Comics Presents, 77 and 78. That is where Superman teamed up with a group of characters that were calling themselves the Forgotten Heroes. And that was, like, characters that at the time in the 80s had not been touched in so long that people just were like, who the f- are these guys? <laughs> Animal Man. Oh, okay. Funny to think at the time, to- and like, funny to think now that Back then, Animal Man had not been really used since the 60s and 70s. This is before Grant Morrison Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, Animal Man and Dolphin, who was a minor Aquaman-supporting character, and the Immortal Man yeah. and Rip Hunter, and that's a super fun story. Hmm. So check that out. All right. Rip Hunter is a great character. I'm glad to see him coming back. I hope you like what you read. 52...
0: We really enjoyed it. Hebrews, my brother. I hope this scratches your Rip Hunter itch for you. Gross. And if you guys are looking for a new read or more to read about some of your favorite characters, shoot us a line, hit us an email, go over to the Twitter Nerd Forums. We got a little place called Comic Pushers. Where you can get in line to get hooked on some new highly addictive comic reads. Just like my man Hebrews. If your Rip Hunter itch doesn't go away after a week, consult a physician. (laughs) (laughs) If your Rip Hunter itch lasts more than four hours, call a doctor. (laughs) Sort
1: of of, break it it down like this.
0: And that is it for the Bad Luck St. Paddy's Day episode of Two-Headed Nerd. If you didn't know that Jason Voorhees was Irish until now, you should subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in because you're going to get all kinds of tidbits like that and where we still need your star ratings, your reviews. It's been a while since anyone's written anything positive or negative about this show. You want to slam us? Hit me up. Don't write anything negative. Oh, feel free. Don't do it. Thumbs up or hearts because it helps us connect with other potential listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our latest donor, Peter Zavadil
1: you saved the show! Who sent us a really nice birthday gift on the day we recorded episode 200 so we didn't get to thank him then. $5,000. Can you believe this guy? We'll never want for anything again. (laughs) We're retiring! (laughs) Seriously, you guys, your support keeps this show running. And if you want to keep us in Leprechaun and Friday the 13th DVD box sets, I personally am aching to see Leprechaun
0: in the hood. Jennifer Aniston's breakout first Hollywood role. Leprechaun. Did you know that? Hey, all right. We'd have no Jennifer Aniston without Leprechaun.
1: You can show your support by clicking our drunk and murderous PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member... It's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box, and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring this binge drinking podcast, shoot us an email. There's nothing funny about it. Shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship.
0: While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info, be it Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, Tumblr, and our Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using all of these resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd questions or trivia. You can defend your questionable nerd tastes in front of the two-headed judge for our Defenders segment or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, Traced in your puke on the sidewalk. Whatever! And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can learn more about our segments and how you can be a part of them. Talk about your favorite Warwick Davis leprechaun moment or just rap about comics. Speaking of the forums! Over in our Who the Hell is This Guy forum. It's brand new. It's totally awesome. We have got Dozo. Asking us about Forge. He is really confused as to where this guy came from. We might have to help him out.
1: Forge is not that confusing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, he's been here and there. He's been up and down. He's been around. You know, he's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> okay.
1: If you dig the music you hear on this show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Baum's Spotify profile. Remember to follow It A Nerd on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast every week, sometimes on Wednesday, <laughs> sometimes on Friday. <laughs> but if you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwitterNerd.com and check out The Return of Nerd TV by Jim Stafford.
0: Yeah, it was a good one, too.
1: A Nerd at the Movies by Kevin Coffee. That dude just gave up on his weekly column,
0: yeah. Batman Forever. So It, gets it, it broke him. It's gone. What movie do you watch?
1: He is giving his box office predictions for all of the nerd movies from 2015
0: and nice, beyond. Nice, nice. He good. is also the Omaha World Herald's entertainment and music reporter, for those of you who don't know. Him. Yeah, he's a smart dude. He a real journalist.
1: He for real journalist.
0: And coming soon, the return of Wooly Toots Hey-o. twiddling his thumbsticks. All right. Next week, we're playing Take a Look. It's in a book where we're going to get real serious and review March Volumes 1 and 2 by congressman john lewis drawn by nate powell before we go our weekly shout out goes to cobra commander who was recently given the key to the city of springfield illinois former home base of the gi joe special missions task force enjoy your fun while you can you snake. Because the THN is teaming up with a special squad of Joes, Ricondo, Crazy Legs, Keel Hall, Snow Job, and William the Refrigerator Perry. I'll tell you what. I'm not going anywhere without Shore Leave. All right. <laughs> Shore Leave is from Sphinx. I know. <laughs> Deliberate Springfield from your evil clutches! Uh, maybe you shouldn't be telling him that. Nah, no, it's not a problem. Nobody listens as part of the show. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre order your comics because your retailer might just be part of an international covert terrorist organization! This is the Two Headed Nerd, again, signing off. It happens more often than you think. <laughs> Stop surrendering and listen to me! It is too dangerous, Commander! There could be dire consequences. There will be dire consequences for you if you do not obey my orders. You
1: twin twats.